After two fatalities at the 2011 Paragliding World Championships in Piedrahita, Civil banned the use of uncertified open-class gliders, otherwise known as comp wings, in its sanctioned competitions. The Paragliding World Cup soon followed suit. 2012 was the first pure serial year in the majority of countries. I've recorded two podcasts which are a 2012 competition roundup from an ex-open class and the sports traditional serial class competitor perspective. There has been much discussion on the pros and cons of serial class, but these podcasts do not cover the controversy of banning open class gliders in the first place, but they aim to look at the actual pilot experiences. In this podcast, I discuss the effects of the introduction of serial class for the 2012 season with a number of sports traditional serial class pilots. They are James Bradley, Mike Miller, Idris Birch and Pat Dower. If you've not already done so, you can download the X Open Class Perspective podcast with Josh Cohn, Nick Grease, Adam Hill, Craig Morgan, Russ Ogden, Yasin Savoff and Adrian Thomas from the podcast page at www.judithmull.net slash blog. James Bradley is a US pilot who learned to fly in California but who now lives in New York. He started competing a few years ago at the Rat Race, but only ever on serial class wings. He now competes more widely, but mostly in North and Central America. My first question to him concerned his choice of wings. You never actually wanted to fly an open class glider when they were still permissible in competitions. I didn't uh, at the time. Now, having flown an Ice Peak 6 for a season, I have about 90 hours on it. If we go back to some open class format, I expect I will fly one. Even though I don't necessarily get 100 hours a year, which people sort of talk about as the minimum, I tend to get a lot of high-quality hours. Most of my hours tend to come from traveling to competitions these days, and competitions are flown in big air and every day for a week, as you know. So I'm not boating around at the coast for my 85 or 90 hours a year. So, yeah, I think whatever the next competition class is, I'm likely to to go with that, partly because I don't want to go back to being a step down from what the top guys are flying. It's much more fun to be on competitive equipment, much, much more fun. The other reason is just that my skills have advanced thanks to flying the Ice Peak, and I think I'd, I'd be fine flying an open-class glider now. Not to say that I couldn't crash. I think anybody can crash, but I think that could happen on some other glider as well. I was going to say, you can crash on an ENA, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I don't think the statistics really show a correlation between glider class and number of accidents. Not, but not very well, I agree. And the open class does have a deterrent in terms of the perceived skill necessary to fly it. A lot of people don't go to it, even some people who could, I think. And in any event, I think now I would go to open class, and I probably wouldn't have gone from last year's D class to an R11 or whatever the next thing was. That didn't feel like a, a good jump to make. But going to the current comp gliders did feel like a good jump to make and, and has proven to be a good jump for me. And in, interestingly, the sometimes predicted, anticipated carnage of people like me moving from D-class gliders to these more advanced D-class gliders, and maybe some of us might not be up to it, that really hasn't materialized. And there are quite a few people who've made that jump, and it hasn't resulted in a lot of horrific accidents and reserve throws. So that's encouraging, I thought. Can you just explain to me how your sense of competitions before this year was? So when you were competing with open class gliders, how was that for you? Well, there, there are two, two pieces to that. One is that 
it's impossible to keep up. Uh, it, it was, and especially since the advent of the two liners, uh, it was impossible to, to keep up. The other part of it, which is equally significant, is the task gets set for the fastest gliders, uh, for the highest performance gliders in the race. And when the task gets set for open class gliders, they were often not achievable on D class gliders. There would be some little upwind section that all the R10s could make. So, just the way the task gets set was also a huge factor in the experience of racing. None of that means that the open class should have been banned to please the people flying D-class gliders. I don't think that for a second. And I'm not impressed with the CIVL's comportment in the ban of open class gliders and around the accidents at the Worlds and things. And so I wouldn't have voted for any of that. But given that it happened, people talk a lot about unintended consequences, and there have been some very vocal people talking about the negative unintended consequences. And there certainly have been some, like the the fact that very small people have had no gliders to fly. and There simply weren't any extra small comp gliders until the extra small Ice Peak 6 came out, of, and that was only about two months ago. So I can well relate to the acute frustration of smaller people this year. But among the unintended consequences have been some positive things for some of us. And for for me, it's just been a, a terrific season racing on competitive gear, finding that when I'm not making big mistakes, I can actually keep up. And in the big task in Sun Valley and the, the, the World Cup in Sun Valley, I actually managed to catch back up the lead gaggle three times by finding faster climbs, having let myself get dropped uh, and then catch back up. And I didn't manage to keep that up for the whole race, but that's just something that would never, ever have happened if I hadn't been on competitive equipment. So it's been it's been a terrific season for me, both learning and fun and overall experience. In America, there's not that many competition pilots. This year, you've seen a big increase in people actually competing. Do you put that down to serial class or do you put that down to other reasons? Uh, last year and the year before, there were probably less twenty open class pilots in the United States. So in terms of people coming to a big race, like like the Rat Race last year, uh, I think there were there were maybe twelve or fifteen, ten or twelve. I mean, not very many. Certainly not more than fifteen open class gliders, and I think it was more like ten. And and that was all. And those guys flying R11s and one or two R10s still would just disappear from the start time. First transition, at the end of the first transition, they would be five kilometers ahead. You couldn't use them to help you see thermals or lines. You couldn't use them for anything. They were gone. They were just invisible. And not getting to to race against the good guys for outlying D-class gliders. So this year, in contrast, uh, a lot of D-class pilots moved up to the ice peaks and Enzo's, mostly ice peaks in the United States, and at the big meets, we, we would have 30 current gliders, Enzo's, Ice Peaks, and Boom X's, all chance to be in the lead gaggle. And it doesn't mean that everybody was in the lead gaggle, but the, the lead gaggle certainly got bigger by quite a bit than it used to be. And I know Josh thinks that was a good thing. I, I think some other uh, of the open class pilots also thought that was a good thing, that it was more fun racing. And I understand it's different in Europe and and those guys have have different, probably different feelings about it. But in the United States, I think it's been very, very positive. 
So do you think that it's had a positive impact on kind of pilot development or competition pilot development in America? Absolutely. Then in the United States, there is no question about that. Again, being able to to keep up if you're flying well changes everything. And and everybody who's moved up to one of these gliders has had to advance their skills to be able to fly them, fly them well and in reasonable safety. So I'm sure how how well that has happened has varied a lot with the individual. But overall, yeah, it's had, absolutely. It's been for competition pilot development. It's been a huge improvement. Just to talk about competitions generally, there there was a lot of talk a year ago about how with with all these castrated gliders that and without the the extra speed available, if you were willing to push full bar on your R11, you simply wouldn't be able to catch up after a mistake, and it was going to change everything. It was going to make the racing a lot worse, and with all the gliders having the same top speed. And in fact, based on my experience, in Sun Valley, I was able to catch back up to the lead gaggle three times, flying on a glider that wasn't any faster than any of the others, just by finding faster climbs, which of course still advances you in the in the altitude and distance equation. So you can absolutely catch back up. And I'm sure it was different with the R11 and with everyone else flying on half bar, if you found a faster climb and you were willing to push full bar, yeah, I'm sure you could come rocketing back in in a whole different way. So I, I, I'm not saying that wasn't more true, but to say it's not true now and you and you can't catch up, that's simply not true because little old me proved it in a World Cup meet. And similarly, Adrian writing on the forum talked about how it's very tactical now and that with basically pretty close to one design gliders, very similar performance. It becomes all about tactical choices and that you can go from 50th to first and first to 50th very easily just on the decisions that you're making. And that to me sounds like what racing should be all about. Who's winning the competitions? Well, it's still best pilots. It's not like just anybody's winning the competitions. How do you see the future of competitions now? Whatever the, the gliders turn out to be next, it's okay with me if we go back to an open class. But I would like to, to have it where the gliders in competitions, in any competition, have to have been available to the public for some period of time, at least 60 days. Because I think having factory-supported prototypes is just really a licensed form of cheating. It's such an advantage to have factory tuners there working with factory pilots. And it's got nothing to do with me thinking that I'm suddenly going to be able to beat Russ Ogden. I, I don't think that's ever going to happen, and that's okay. I'm not trying to somehow handicap Russ Ogden. I just want to have the same level. I'm, I want to have access to the same level of glider that he's flying or that Mads is flying or Yasin or anybody else. And then they'll kick my butt, but it will be on even terms as far as equipment. And that's much more fun. And that, that's, that was my experience years ago racing sailboats, was that the one design racing was much more tactical and interesting than the races, the, than the classes where you could have drastically modified boats according to your bank account and so on. I would counter the argument that factories use competitions as crucibles for development, which I understand that's true, but I think there are other crucibles available in testing and and even casual competitions that people arrange while they're testing things. Basically, 
the question I asked myself about that to come to this conclusion is, do I think that Ozone could have come out with the R10 without having been able to race the BBHPP in competitions, in sanctioned competitions? And I, I basically, I don't doubt it for a second they, that they would have been able to do that. They, they didn't have to go racing with the BBHPP to, to know what to do next. To me, that degrades the racing hugely, and that degrades the fun factor for most of the field. And I think fun is the kind of underemphasized corner of all this. We're not a safety-first crowd, or we'd stay home with a we and the television. So to say it's safety-first, that's ridiculous. It's obviously not safety-first. Safety is a factor, and fun is clearly why we're doing this. It's a particular kind of high-intensity fun that we all like. To me, the, the whole fact-supported program that used to happen, it would be a real shame to have that come back. That's the thing that I hope doesn't happen. I'm, I don't care what the constraints on the gliders turn out to be. I don't want to fly ENBs. If we move up to an ENE class of some kind, that's fine. If we go back to open class, that's fine. Uh, if we stay with something like what we are, with some safer way for the test pilots to test them, that's okay with me too. One more note about fun. A number of people have commented either that I've heard talking or that have written somewhere. And these are longtime open class pilots. People have been flying open class for years. That uh, comps are fun again. That the, that the gliders aren't so scary. And other people have talked about how at major comps this year, there have been a lot more smiling faces in the evening instead of everybody just, instead of a lot of people going to bed early and just kind of looking worried all the time. And so that's kind of interesting. That seems to suggest that we, the change has been good for something in the fun category and even among longtime open class pilots. And I'm sure there are a number of people, any number of people who will argue with that from their own experience that they don't think it is as fun and that's okay. I think the, the development of competition pilots is important. It's good for us to have an environment that fosters the development of high level competition pilots. This year's environment has been much more that than, than ever since I started flying. So it's been very positive in the United States. We've had very high quality racing in the United States this year. And the development of pilots has really moved forward in this environment. And, and for us in the United States, that's a very positive and important thing because we don't have very many comp pilots here. Mike Miller started flying in 1995. His first competitions were in 2006, and since 2007 he's been doing two to three Cat 2s per year. He sees himself firmly in the sports class and has no ambitions to move into a higher class. He flies comps for enjoyment and to learn in a supportive environment in great locations. The comp season went very, very well for you. What did you think was different this year to previous years? It was noticeable that maybe um, some of the competitions weren't quite so full as previously, but maybe that was because there were a lot of comps in the calendar this year. In the British Opens, there were a few of the old school, some of the top dogs who were absent. But I suspect that that was for quite a few different reasons, maybe not solely down to the change to remove open class and force people to fly serial. In general, comps seemed reasonably well subscribed. And 
there were you know the usual the usual suspects in terms of the prime spots in the calendar or um, cops with top reputations like Monte Grappa or the Belgian Open that they filled up really quickly. So I, I don't think there was a fundamental problem with how well attended comps were or the level of um, subscriptions to them. In terms of the general feel, maybe the competitions felt a little bit more relaxed. There was a more kind of together feeling because people were flying material that was a bit uh, a bit closer um, in terms of performance. And maybe there were a few less of the out-and-out podium chasers. Tactics-wise, I felt that the change to um, force serial class made for better competitions, really, for the majority of pilots. But I'm not certain whether the top 20% or so of, of the podium chasers would feel the same. The new ENC and older conventional ENC gliders seem to be surprisingly competitive with two and a half liner END hot ships that have been squeezed into the top of END and in Cat 2 level competitions like the British Open it really felt that um, the the quality of the racing for the part of the field that I'm in um, was, was improved because the out and out racing open class gliders weren't there in a, in the previous seasons when there were R10.2, R11, etc., gliders, the out-and-out two-liners, open classes about, the once the start gate opened, um, it was immediately two races with the open class machines 10 kilometres ahead pretty much before they even got around to taking their first climb. Whereas with the new serial class top-end machines, if you're on an ENC or a conventional END, with decent performance, you had the possibility to stay in touch with the lead gaggle pretty much until the final glide started to come into the equation. That made the experience of competing uh, as an also-ran or as a sports-class competitor far more enjoyable for me, really. I, I think that's certainly the case, that task setting has been simplified by the removal of open-class performance the discrepancy in performance to open class gliders you put the best pilots on those fastest gliders and you're suddenly finding that the first serial class guys come in 25 minutes after the task winner gets in now in an hour and a half task that's um that's really spread things out a lot and it it makes it difficult for them in terms of safety it makes it difficult for them in terms of making decisions about task setting and about safety Task setting is simpler and can be better managed, I think, with um, a more consistent level of performance amongst the um, the competitors' gliders, really. And probably that will, will have been something that, yeah, help help to make the competitions feel better as well. Because if you're not setting a a task that's going to take four and a half hours for somebody who's on a a sports class glider and is is going at a relatively leisurely pace. If you're able to set something that's going to take three hours for that person instead, then, you know, that's going to give everybody in the competition a much, much better chance of getting to goal, which, you know, is obviously a key thing to whether a competition has a really good feel-good factor is the number of pilots that are able to get into goal one or two times or maybe many more times. So open-class gliders did make it difficult for them to set good, valid tasks that exercise the top pilots but also gave an opportunity for the pilots who were on lower classified uh, gliders to actually achieve something good for themselves on the day as well. So 
task setting was different and the glider certification changes had an impact on that, certainly. Overall, do you think it had a positive or negative effect on competitions? The change to remove open-class gliders, I think, overall had definitely a positive effect. My kind of feeling is that for the majority of competitors who are, you know, ordinary guys and girls who are flying for fun, but they want to fly as well as they can, you've got a real improvement in the experience by having gliders that have a more consistent level of performance. I know there are people who are on the other side of the coin who say that um, as open class or former open class pilots, they feel that they've lost something. Um, and whether that's all about performance or whether it's about feeling that the advantage of flying the best material is, you know, really um, something that gives a, a, an added kind of um, an added level of enjoyment to, to pushing for those podium places. Whether it's something else, I don't know. But the performance is certainly addictive and ex-open class competitors are probably a lot more vocal about whether they're unhappy with the change to serial class. But from my point of view, the majority of people are actually flying old serial class gliders or sports class gliders and not open class gliders in previous seasons, um, certainly in the Cat 2s that I flew. And I think the experience was significantly improved for them. The whole thing about going most of the way around the course and being in touch with the best pilots, maybe being half a gaggle behind or a gaggle behind, right until the final glide really improves the sort of the experience for the majority of the field I think and I think that in the long term having an improved experience for the vast majority of pilots rather than necessarily saying well the competitions are going to be run primarily for the open class pilots the open class glider uh, flying kind of way of looking at things is is the be all and end all if if the experience can be improved for the mid-range pilots that's going to improve participation levels in flying in competitions it's going to encourage new people to come into competitions and getting more people involved in competitions on a more regular basis is got to be good it's going to improve pilot development it will mean that there are more pilots available pushing for team places it will mean that the quality of pilots who get into national teams is better and it's going to hopefully improve as a result um, the standard of pilots in the highest level of comps in cat ones where there may be safety issues at the moment that people are looking to try and address so improving the experience for the everyday pilot coming into comps and competing for fun can only help higher level um, competitions as well yeah, I mean, there is also the simple economics of competitions. You can't finance a competition just by the top 10 guys. You need people like me who come along for the, the fun and the experience. You need a bulk of people who pay the money to finance the competition. Yeah. So if you alienate those, and less and less of them come, eventually you won't have a competition to run anymore. Mm, absolutely. You, you can't you can't make a sandwich without both bread and the filling. I think the danger in competitions is it's it's seen as being all about the the meat in the sandwich, but the truth of the matter is it's you know it, it's the rest of it that makes up the package that makes it viable, that um, that you know provides the the body of pilots from which the top guys will develop, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So 
yeah, improving the experience for the whole group is very important, I think. What impact did you think it had on the paragliding industry and glider design? There's a performance arms race going on between manufacturers and I think it's leading us away from simple informative gliders that are super easy to fly and let pilots know exactly what's going on. And that's probably to some extent due to the fact that there's this additional pressure of performance coming in from the top of the categories, which has made END now a bit of, bit of a weird mixed bag. There may be some old conventional style ENDs being produced this year maybe and maybe there'll be some that are somewhere between two and a half liners and and the old ones Um, and obviously there's talk about some changes to END coming on but just as END has been pushed in a performance direction so ENC has as well because a lot of gliders that would maybe have certified in e- been certified in END have now been squeezed into ENC. There's a kind of waterfall effect where as each category gets more and more performance orientated, it starts to dribble gliders down into the into the next category below. How do you see the future of competitions now? What everyone hopes is that that we've gone into a little short transition period and it's all going to be fixed and somehow is going to be great again and everything will be back to people knowing what's going on but I believe the scene's going to stay in in a kind of transition state for quite a while. The difficulty is that Civil have settled on certification as their primary tool by which they're going to be seen to be trying to improve safety in competitions but the question of how you introduce new certification that is actually going to improve competitions it's not an easy one to solve and to be quite frank it's very much in question whether the gliders are even the most significant part of the problem in terms of the safety question that that's caused all this change and the associated angst i don't believe it can be fixed with just certification changes i don't think there are anybody apart from a few blazers in civil who do think that that's really the case and a new comp glider class might help it might not there really needs to be lots and lots of lines of attack to try and improve competitions overall so the task setting the organization gliders getting more pilots involved so that there's more competitions so people are more experienced etc etc making safety statistics available so that pilots can choose the best and the safest comps to attend you know is one thing that would be really good it would be really nice if there was a lot of reporting and statistics on what comp organizers run safe comps what venues at what times of year are safe etc etc and allow the market to you know pick the best practice allow you know pilots to choose the best comps to go to and then the best comps will will prosper and their best practices will then hopefully spread um, into other into other competitions. Keeping competitions enjoyable for ordinary pilots is super important to me, though, because enjoyment levels in the sports class and in serial and for people who are in the mid-range of competitions and attending their first competitions is really important for safety of the sport overall and for development of the competition scene overall because it's only by having that healthy grassroots scene where new people are coming in and there's plenty of scope for more competitions being run, more pilots learning more, more pilots getting more experience and more competition for the people 
who are going up to the top level to be really on the top of their game. So enjoyment for the ordinary guy is super important for the health of competitions going forward, particularly in this transition period. Idris Burt has only been competing for two years, but has been around flying pretty much all his life. He won the sports class at the first round of the British Open in Madono and came sixth overall in the British Championships on a Nova Factor. He was named Nova Pilot of the Year in 2012. How did the season work out for you? How was your competition season this year? Yeah, well, I was a bit disappointed because I could only fly two competitions this year across both legs of the British Championships due to money and time constraints. But yeah, the first leg in Italy went very well even though it was a bit disappointing only to have three tasks because of the weather, but we still, even though the weather was a bit marginal, we still had really good tasks on the days, and it was, it was very good, and I came out first sports class of that competition, which is a good result for me, and what would I say, I'd say that the ENC wings are obviously all pretty good performance-wise, especially against the... I say old, but you know the older generation of the END wings, like the Mantra Fours, and what else is there? You know that category of wings that other people are flying. I'd say they perform pretty similar to them. So it's a bit well, not an advantage to be on the sea, but of course you know you're in a different category, judging a different category to them. Even though you're flying on a pretty similar wing, I'd say. I don't know about safety, or I can't compare that because I haven't flown a D myself, but I assume they're probably all pretty up there in the safety category. You say that you're in a different category, but this yeah. year the sports class was heavily contested. I mean, yeah. you know, you weren't... It, it wasn't going to be easy to win it. No, that's true. Yeah, but I suppose it's good for the for the competition of the C-class in a way that, you know, because some people have been influenced maybe to move down to a, a lower category wing because of all the business going on with open class and all that. But it's good, it just makes it more interesting. And in a way, it's, it's good... Because you can, I can sort of compare myself to really good pilots like Alex Coltman flying an ENC wing. You know, you see flying a pretty similar wing, and you've got to try and beat him as much as you can. So it's it's good for, for my development in that way, I suppose. Okay, so did you notice a change in atmosphere at all, or did you notice a change in in kind of how the competition was this year from the previous years that you've experienced? There was a few faces missing from the competitions that I've been to before when it's been open class and a change in atmosphere yeah maybe I'd say a few people that had been to competitions for the past few years when it's been open class they were a bit more happy probably in general people were more happy because specifically at Saint Jean in 2011 and I think that was the first British competition that was serial only a lot of people were saying how people that had been finishing in the between 20 and 30th in the comp were suddenly in the top 10 and even contesting to win tasks like Colin Hawke and Robert Husbands, people like that, who, you know, had been on the scene for a few years, but now that everyone was flying similar wings in the E&D category, they were suddenly doing very well, because, and so it sort of levelled the playing field in that respect quite, quite well, I think. And so, yeah, generally, atmosphere-wise, people probably felt it was a fairer competition, I suppose. Did you notice a, a change in tactics at all? This year, particularly, still had the Enzo's, and the Ice Peak 6s that feel definitely could pull away from me quite easily, like I, I noticed in Spain this year, you know, you'd, they'd be accelerating, it just 
with the Enzos and I-Speak-6s, it did feel like flying with the R-10s and the R-11s from before, that they accelerate on the same glide as you and get there much quicker and much higher than you, and it was a little bit... That was a little bit demoralising on some of the flatland transitions in Spain this year. And tactics-wise, I don't know, it's still still pretty full bar stuff, isn't it? I was going to say, yeah. you must have been on full bar all the time. Um, yeah, people kept saying that, but not, not always, no. Well, not in a thermal, no. Well, no, not in a thermal, but not on every transition either. Unless I really wanted to be. Mm. Unless I thought I really needed to chase something down or, you know, two-thirds bar would be enough probably for any normal transition. I, would, I think that was my general tactics anyway. Unless I thought I needed to catch up or stay with people or I thought I was in a really good position, then I might push full bar or in really bad sync, you know, just... No, it wasn't any pedal-to-the-metal kind of tactics, really. For me, myself, though, I... As a, a young pilot, I just feel like, you know, as I was learning and stuff, it was always there. One day I'll be flying a nice open-class wing. It's sort of, you know, something to aspire to, to fly, fly something right on the cutting edge. Mm. Something that's not restricted, really. Quite like that. <laughs> and, so were, yeah. were you disappointed then when Open Class was... Uh, I was personally, yeah, a little bit, just because of my own selfish aspirations, I suppose, that one day I'd like to fly something like that in a comp. And a lot of people are throwing around notions about changing the competition format from race to goal and things like this, but what you'll see on the forums is a lot of these people don't compete in competitions that much. I know I don't compete that much myself, but what a lot of people don't get they say that changing the format of competitions will make it safer and stuff like that. But what they're really missing out, the whole point, I think, is that the race to goal format and the racing that we do is it's really fun. <laughs> and I think a lot of people just don't get that. You know, they're, they're trying to change it to make it safer when they don't realise that we're doing it because it's fun. It's fun racing against your peers and stuff. You don't want to, you want to maybe do an elapsed time because you're not racing by against the person next to you. If you know what I mean? Okay, so overall, did you think that Zero Class had a positive or a negative effect on competitions? Probably a positive, because I do, you know, hear it in the general chatter of the competition. People saying, now that everyone's flying a similar kind of wing, we've got a chance to compete and things like that. Whereas before, you know, unless you were flying the hot ship, you didn't really stand much of a chance, unless you were in the year, of course, in San Andre in 2010. But I think generally, probably, probably a positive, but for me, personally, a negative in my own wishes for the future. What would you like ah, to see right. in the future? I'd like to see Open Class come back, but I don't know what would happen then with the END class, because it's almost, in a way, in brackets, polluted by the Enzos, like I speak sixes, you know, the, the, that new generation of wings that are sort of castrated, ozone R11s. They're still in that category against the Mantra 4s and, you know, that older generation. And the people on the M4s aren't going to compete against the Enzos, really, are they? So it's sort of muddied the waters there a bit, so I don't know how they'd fix that. It's a bit of a mess, and if they keep changing things year after year after year, also you've got that problem of people that are competing, some are able to buy a new wing every year, some aren't, some aren't. So it's a bit discriminatory, you know, against people who don't want to keep forking out for the newest wing or the newest one that's certified correctly and all that business. I was quite happy with the way things were for myself for, well, for when I the first few competitions when it was still open class.
Pat Dower has been flying competitions for 20 years at local, national, international and PwC level. He's a guide, coach and pilot development expert based in the Peak District in Derbyshire. You actually had a break from competitions for a few years because you kind of had some concerns, didn't you? Well, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't call it concerns, but you had a break from competitions. Why, why was that? Oh, definitely concerns. You hit the nail on the head. So the, the break came after 1997, and the, the, the reasons were really that I felt competitions were, were pretty unsafe at the time. I felt the gliders were, were very extreme and not pleasant to fly and had some very nasty characteristics. To be competitive, you had to be on something that was very, very challenging to fly. And actually, that year, I chose to fly a GHV-23, and it was just... It just wasn't adequate, really, for the tasks that were being set. So it was altogether a disheartening experience. The particular year in the British Championships, there were around about nine reserve deployments, and the sort of conditions they were setting tasks in, I, I didn't think we should have been tasking. And I think the general attitude to safety and all the, whole, all the processes around looking after pilots were very un, undeveloped. And what was great coming back into competition ten years later in 2007 is almost all of those criticisms have been answered and what was also great is there was a thriving serial class so you didn't have to fly extreme open class gliders there was a, a hotly contested serial class that which uh, was well worth fighting for and I really enjoyed that. How did you feel about you know the introduction of serial class putting aside you know the controversy of how it was introduced? I sort of separate my reaction to two things, really. There's my own personal feelings about it, which is, is context, because we're all developing as pilots as time goes on. And then there's the overall effect uh, on, on the other, you know, the, the whole competition scene. For me personally, it was great because at the time of the Piedrahita tragedy and the year before, I wasn't prepared to fly the open class gliders that you needed to fly to win overall. Um, so serial class was good, but actually now that um, the old serial class, I, could, I should say, was good, but now that all the pilots were flying more similar gliders, it suddenly made it a whole lot more interesting because I could fly a glider of the same level that I used to and now be in the league gaggle. And it was much more exciting and much more interesting. So did you notice a, a distinct change in tactics in the competitions? Small changes. I mean, at, at say, a Category 2 level national competitions and open competitions, probably not a great deal of change. You know, it's still important to get a, a good start, the race, selecting the right climbs, choosing good lines, and above all, not getting stuck. So none of those change. I think the climbers become more important that's where you can gain a little bit of advantage that you perhaps can't get on the glide these days because people are much more similar i think at the at the top end it's narrowed down the choice of tactics uh, during a race a bit because the gliders are all very very similar and the pilot's ability is very very close and you have things that you know in the league gaggle that the default speed really is full speed bar and really that reduces the amount of uh, decision making 
uh, and what the part of the polar curve you're going to use. But task setting has helped introduce a little bit more variety. Uh, for example, been using bigger cylinders in some of the competitions this year, so it gives you more choice of route, which I, does, I think it does make it more interesting. What did you actually think of the atmosphere, I mean, particularly, for example, at the British Open? Did you think it had changed? It does depend on who, who you who you ask. I mean, there are some pilots, you know, who are very, very unhappy with that and they decided not to attend many competitions at all. And I think that reduction in quality was, was a shame, but there was still enough good pilots, say in the British Championships, for example, to make it very, very keenly contested and to make the racing really, really hot. But it also made it a lot closer. And uh, when you have sports class gliders actually figuring very well on tasks, that's great. It's, it's sort of, they're doing well because they are good pilots, not because they have an advantage with, with the gliders. And it's sort of, it has closed the gap. Uh, so I, th- I think it's, it's less divided than it used to be. I mean, to be honest, in the, when the, the R10s and R11s were there, they were really in a totally different race to the rest of us, a different world and almost little relation to serial class pilots. I personally always found the atmosphere really, really good. But, you know, I think others have commented that they find it more welcoming, more inclusive. And some of the top guys, think I think they find it a bit less stressful now. But you'd have to ask them on that. I had a look at the British Championship results and there was three sports class gliders in the top six in the British Championships, which is phenomenal. Potentially, it's made the stepping stone to the top level easier, the the transition, if you like. I think to move from a sports class to a traditional old-style EMD, like a Mantra 4, um, Omega Raves, Peak 2, so on, and then to move to a glider of the level of the Ice Peak 6 or the Enzo, it actually looks all that more attainable rather than that, that big leap to something like an R, R10 and R11, which you, you're going to have to fly very fast to, to keep, keep up. So I think, it, I think it's fantastic for learning for the up-and-coming pilots. They can be in with the leaders, and uh, if they fly well, well, it's proven. that They can finish really, really strongly. It's fantastic to see. The Zero Class did have the effect that it did actually disenfranchise a lot of smaller and larger pilots. It wasn't until the Ice Peak 6 was certified in the small size that people who needed to fly smaller gliders could actually really compete. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just had to accept that I was not going to be on the most competitive glider I'm a traditional END. And I actually do have an Ice Peak 6 now, but... I didn't get that until after the pretty much the end of my, my competition season. Now, I'm going to do winter comps, so that's why I've got that glider, and it's, it's very exciting. Having said that, you know, I still don't know how much I'll give away to the big gliders. There always is a penalty against the big gliders, but at least I have got what is a, you know, a really competitive glider now, and you know, I'm very, very excited about that. For the women's competition scene, it, it was a big problem and it caused a lot of heartache for people. Most of the women who are sort of my size, I mean, there are there are some bigger women, but, you know, they're just in the same position as me, whether it be on a, a small or a medium-small glider and ballast up to the limit and, and do the best they can. Um, but they'd, ne- they'd never really uh, have the performance to, to match the leaders. So frustrating that was.
So I'm dead happy now. So you see the future as bright? I do. I'm I'm very op- optimistic. I'm that sort of guy, really. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, hopefully yeah. <laughs> this new comp class will have a few really easily enforceable limits. I mean, there will always be the odd pilots who will try to bend the rules or break the rules, but basically get it so that it it is a level playing field. And, you know, the the prospect for me of having a a straight fight with people like Craig and uh, Russell and guys like that, that is really, really exciting because I've not been able to do that before, really. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I'll be able to beat them, but I can fight them on even terms, and that that's very exciting. So I think in the long term, task setting will, will need to change. I'm not saying do away with racing. I think that would be a real, a real shame. I think having some racing, it's something people really, really enjoy. It would be a real shame to lose it. But to, say, have a mix of tasks during a competition. So some will be longer, more endurance-based, uh, more tactical. Some might be cat's cradle. Um, and by cat's cradle, I mean with turn points that the pilot selects. So you're given six turn points within an area, and your task is to do the largest distance using up to six turn points provided for you. So it's very, very tactical, lots of cross-country decision-making, not so much following the leader. And uh, with the technology we've got now, we can start to have, we can penalise pilots who get close to the terrain. Because at the end of the day, if you are high, got far less chance of of having an incident that you can't either um, recover from or throw your reserve and land safely. While you're close to the terrain, that's when the crashes happen. So, you know, with with the, the, the Google mapping and 3, 3D location of pilots, it doesn't take much in the way of instruments to tell you how high you are above ground level. Let's say if you get below 100 metres uh, above ground level, then the, you incur penalty points to incentivise people uh, staying high. So they still fly fast, but not not blasting along close to ridges because it costs you too many points to do it. The task setting and the conditions we set tasks in, you know, that's not an exact science, but you, you see some tasks that you just think, God, that, that, that was a huge balls up. Just to round things up, I mean, mm. I, I would say I'm as, as motivated and, and as excited about flying competitions as, as, as I've ever been, uh, tempered by the fact I'm a bit older and wiser and got more responsibilities. Uh, but I'm just really stoked about, about the whole thing. And the, the situation with, with the gliders has definitely helped that. So uh, bring on 2013, I say. Thanks to Pat, Mike, Idris and James for their insights into the last season. If you'd like to hear more on the topic, you can download the season roundup of 2012 from an ex-open class perspective at www.judithmull.net slash blog. If you enjoy our podcasts, webcasts and articles on the Paraglider, please consider making a donation to support us with our costs for hosting and also to support us in making great new resources. We've got lots of ideas for new podcasts, webcasts and articles 
and would be happy to produce them, but we need your support. You can find the donate button on any of the podcast pages on the paraglider.com as well as on the main index page. Thank you.